Well, if you slipped in uh, after I gave my first introduction, I'm still lead pastor Stuart Mazel, and uh, I am so thankful that you guys are here and, or you're listening online. Uh, we are continuing our series on navigating a confusing culture, and I really want to give uh, some props, some thanks to uh, Nathan, um, a guy who had, I know you, ha you hate when I do this, don't you, but uh, a guy who had a stroke in January and was unable to preach two Sundays in a row to allow me to be able to go to General Assembly. I just, I'm very thankful for you, my friend. Thank you so much for preaching this, the scriptures well. Thank you. Um, so we're going to continue in that series. And I'll give you a brief overview if you haven't been here in just a few minutes. But today we're going to be talking about sovereignty. If you haven't picked up on that theme so far, I feel like I've been just kind of like, you know, bludging it over your heads. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at several passages from the book of Proverbs. And this is what those passages say. Again, this is God's word. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. This is God's word for us. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we're asking for help. We know that these words are not just words written down by a human being. We know that they have special truth, special power in them because of who you are. But we need you to work inside us first before we can really grapple and understand and accept and embrace the truths that we hear. So will you give us ears to hear? Will you give us the mind that we'll be able to conceive, to understand, and bear forth with real fruit from your truth? And would you give us a heart that will be soft to your goodness and your sovereignty. And Jesus, I'm asking that you would really be the one who preaches to us today. We need a word from you, not from me. And may everything that happens today be for your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. It's, uh, it's happened to me numerous times, and I'm pretty sure it's happened to many of you as well. You're out and about somewhere, and a stranger approaches you and asks for money. Now, maybe he needs the money for food. Maybe he needs the money to pay a bill. Maybe he needs the money... Uh, for gas, but whatever his reasoning is, he tells you, I need some money, would you give me $20, or whatever it might be. And 
I don't know about you, but every, every time that situation occurs, I'm thinking, do I give him the money or not? Just, I'm wrestling with it. Now, I do kind of have a system now, because this has happened enough, and um, if you want to know what that system is, I'll, I'll tell you. But I will tell you that no matter what you, system you might have or I might have, it's never 100% clear cut. Should I give this person money or not? I mean, think about what we've been talking about in this series so far about making decisions. You start with the gospel. Okay, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news of how God so loved that he gave. Right? And he gave his only son. So giving is something that is good. And loving God. If I'm to love God, what does that look like? Well, if I want to love God, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be generous and give. Okay? But I'm also going to give wisely, which we'll get to in a minute. Love your neighbor. Well, here's my neighbor right in front of me. And he's asking for something. And he needs, he says he needs something. So I'm saying, okay, well, to love my neighbor, I need to think about him and what he's going through. Scripture? Well, if I go to the scriptures, I see lots of places where it says to give to the needy, to give to people who ask, right? But then there's wisdom. And when I start applying wisdom to the situation, I realize this guy may not be telling the truth. He may be trying to get money so he can buy drugs or alcohol, which he's going to abuse and hurt himself. Or he may be asking for money for some other reason. So I want to be wise in what I do. And then there's prayer. You know, in the moment when the person comes up to me, I can shoot up a very quick prayer and say, Lord, please give me wisdom. Help me to know what to do. But my experience has been, and probably yours too, that there's no voice from heaven saying, okay, Stuart, give him the money. Or don't give him the money. And you probably don't have people around you that you can ask for godly counsel and advice. I've done that ahead of time, and I've asked other people, like, what do you do when someone comes and, uh, and asks you for money? And, and they've given me some hints along the way. So I can at least say that I've asked ahead of time and now I have something in mind. But I've even had godly counsel tell me two different things about that kind of situation. So what do I do? What do you do? When we have no idea which way to go, it's not clear, it's not black and white, it's not clear cut, what do we do? And that's just one scenario of many scenarios that we all face where we get to the end of the road. We go through all of these love God, gospel, love neighbor, scripture, apply wisdom, pray, godly counsel, and we still don't know what to do. What do you do then? This is where we lean on God's sovereignty. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We lean on God's sovereignty. And if you like outlines, you've got one on the piece of paper that's been uh, sent out. If not, you can just listen. Life can be confusing. These kinds of decisions can be confusing. But trusting God's sovereignty helps us navigate the confusion. 
Let me say that again. Life can be confusing. Trusting God's sovereignty helps us to navigate the confusion. Let's see what these Proverbs have to tell us about God's sovereignty. First of all, Proverbs 16.9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In other words, we make plans, but it's God who has the final decision about how those plans are going to come about. Let me tell you something. So I like to plan ahead. And uh, so uh, you know that, uh, some of you know that I went to our denomination's General Assembly, which is for the whole denomination a few weeks ago. And back in January, I booked my hotel. That's how far back I was planning. Okay, I booked my hotel in January so that I would, I would be right next door to where the convention was, to where the assembly was. Two weeks before General Assembly, I get an email from the hotel saying, we're so sorry, we overbooked. And you were one of the people that needs to be moved. And so I got moved to another hotel. And instead of being having just about 100 steps between the hotel and where the convention center was, I had 20 minutes of walking to get to where I needed to go. Who was in charge of that? The hotel? Sure. But ultimately, God was. Maybe God knew I was going to eat really badly while I was in Memphis, and I needed the exercise. God is sovereign over all things, including our steps. Uh, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, for this one, I have to... I always think of shoots and ladders. Do you guys know shoots and ladders? Some of you may have had snakes and ladders, which I think is really weird that you have snakes that you're sliding down instead of shoots. But if you don't know what shoots and ladders or snakes and ladders is, it's a game for kids. Adults play it too, though. And you have this, like, winding road, and you spin this little spinner, and it goes from one to six, and you can go that many spaces, and you're climbing up, and if you hit a ladder, you get to go up as far as the ladder goes. But if you hit a chute or a snake, you slide down. When I would play with my kids when they were really, really young, they probably don't even remember this, but I would always get to the top of the ladder. I would get all the way up to the top, and then I would spin, and then I would land on the chute that goes all the way down to the bottom. And I would have to start all over again. That happened so many times, it's not funny. And I had to remind myself of this verse. The lot is cast into the lap. It's like rolling the dice or spinning the spinner. It seems like it's random. It seems like it's chance. But even that decision is from the Lord. Again, maybe God knew I needed to be humbled in playing games. Because I'm a little bit competitive, even with my kids. Ask them, they'll tell you. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So again, we make plans, but it's the Lord's purpose, not my purpose, not your purpose, not anyone else's purpose. It's the purposes of our sovereign God that will stand. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut 
or an astronomer. It, it depended on what day it was. When I became a teenager, I put those childish views behind me and I wanted to become a rock star. When I was in college, no, sorry, when I was in my 20s, I decided, no, I want to be a philosophy professor in a university. As you can tell, none of those things happened. All those plans that I made, even as a young child, as a teenager, and as an adult, they did not come about. But what did come about? The Lord's purpose. God is sovereign over our plans and how things go. We can make plans, but God is, God's plan is the plan that is going to come to fruition. And the last verse that we read today from Proverbs 21.30 lets us know that no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. No matter what plans we may make, no matter what counsel we may receive, no matter what wisdom we may hear, no matter what understanding we have, no matter what we do, nothing is going to stop God's plan. If God decides this is what's going to happen, you can't stop it. Ask Jonah. You know, a few weeks ago we did VBS here and the theme was about Jonah. And Jonah heard from the Lord and God told him to go to Nineveh. And he got on a boat and went the opposite direction to Tarshish. And he's like, I'm not doing what God calls me to do. And a storm came up and he's like, oh, I bet this is from the Lord. So I'll just tell them to throw me overboard and then I'll drown and I won't have to go. And he gets thrown overboard and a fish swallows him. And he's like, okay, Lord, I hear you. And then he gets spit up on the ground. And then God says, okay, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And he, this time he did, but he went begrudgingly. And he went into the middle of the place and he just said, hey, everybody, God's going to destroy this place. Ha <laughs> ha. And then he left to watch it happen. But everybody repented. And then Jonah's mad about that because he wanted to see Nineveh destroyed. But see, here's the thing. God wanted to save the Ninevites. And he was sovereign over everything that happened. No matter what we do, if God purposes to do something, he's going to make it happen. Now, if God was sovereign over all, if God is sovereign over all things, that can be a terrifying idea, right? In fact, sometimes I hear Christians say things like this, that God is toying with them. That, you know, something bad in my life happened. God's just toying with me. He's just messing with my life. He's just doing these things to upset me or to try to put me on a different path because he doesn't like what I'm doing. I, I want you to hear this. God is not toying with you. God is good. He's a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. That's his character. And so we can trust him. And because he's both sovereign and good, he can be trusted when we don't know what to do. Because God is both sovereign and good, 
He can be trusted when we don't know what to do. No, there isn't some kind of demon creature out there like trying to torture us every time we do something. No, this is a good God who brings all things together for the good of his people. We see that God is good. Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all he has made. What if, what if, what if every one of us saw our circumstances in that light? No matter what's happening in our lives, we say, I know this really stinks. I really hate this. This hurts. This is painful. But God is good, and he has mercy on all he has made. How would that change our perspective about our circumstances? Psalm 100, verses 3 through 5 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Why? For the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever his faithfulness to all generations. Do do you hear that God is not only good and sovereign, he is good and his love never ceases. His love never fails. As we were singing about earlier today, he will hold us fast for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. There is nothing that will get in the way of his love for his children. And that's why the psalmist in Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Why do I need to take refuge in him? Life is hard. Life is confusing. Life is difficult. And we need a refuge. We need a safe space. We need a place where we can go and know that we are loved and we are accepted and we are cared for. And that place, ultimately, is our God. And if you're thinking, well, wait a second. I heard that God hates sin. Yes, he does. He does. And I'm a sinner. Yes. But if we go to God with that kind of sincerity of, I want you to be my refuge, save me from my sin, He always honors that prayer. He always honors that sentiment. If we come to Him and know that He's good, like Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in them. If you're taking refuge in the God who is sovereign and good, you don't have anything to really worry about ultimately. We heard today, those of you who were in Sunday school, we heard from... Uh, Bunny Russell, and she was talking about how all these terrible things that have happened in her life, and they really were terrible. And yet she can say, in all those things, God was sovereign, and he was bringing me to himself, 
and making me available to other people that needed to hear a story like mine. That's powerful. And we need to remember those things. Now, getting back to how, do we, how does this help us in making that decision? Remember the guy that I told you about? He's coming up to you and he's asking, hey, give me some money. And you've gone through the whole spiel and you don't know what to do? Should I give him money or should I not? That happened to me one time. This guy came to me and he said, hey, I need some money for gas. And I said to him, well, um, I have $20 in my pocket and I could give that to you. And I was a little bit of a snot back then. And I said, but how do I know you're not going to spend that on alcohol or drugs? And he's like, you don't, but I'm not. I'm like, well, how, how do I know I can believe you? I don't know who you are. And he said, I guess you can't. So what did I do? I took the money out of my pocket. And I'm not saying this is how everybody has to do this. I took the money out of my pocket, and I gave it to the guy, and I said, I'm giving this to you in the spirit of Jesus. If you use it for anything else other than gas, I may never know, but God will. And then I just left it at that. I have no idea what happened. Did the guy go get gas? I don't know. Did he go buy alcohol? I don't know. But I will say this, God is sovereign over what happened next. And that I can trust. Because you see, even if we make a bad decision, watch out for this one, even if we make a bad decision, God is more than able to bring about good. Oh, I so love this statement. Even if we make a bad decision, God is more than able to bring about good. Hear the words that we said together from Romans 8 one more time and let it sink in. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. All things. Everything, no matter what it is, even your bad decisions, God can work for good. And he goes on to say, for those who were called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among Many brothers. There's a story in the book of Genesis that some of you know. Some of you may have never heard it. But it's about a guy named Joseph. And, and if you've watched, uh, I guess it's that musical, The Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat or whatever it is, maybe you know from that. But Joseph was, a, he was one of 12 brothers. That's crazy. And... He's a little bit of a snot, too. And he liked to tell his brothers, hey, I had this dream where you guys are going to bow down to me. And of course they didn't like that. So they got mad at him, and they threw him in a well. And they were going to kill him until one of them said, hey, let's, let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. And so they sold him as a slave, and they, Ishmaelites sold him over into Egypt. And then he became, somehow, he became a slave to Potiphar in Egypt, and then 
Things are going well for him until Potiphar's wife says, hey, why don't you come sleep with me? And he's like, no, I couldn't do that. And then she's like, oh, well, he tried to rape me. And then he he gets sent into prison for two years, just sitting there in prison. And then one day he meets this baker and the other guy I can't think of right now because it's just lost. That's what happens when you get older, guys. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, they were talking, and they had dreams, and he said, oh, I can tell you what dreams are, and he starts to tell them about the dreams, and then one of them came true, and then the guy said, hey, when Pharaoh has a dream later on, he says, hey, I remember this guy in prison, that he told me the dream that I had, and he told me how it came about, and why don't don't you get him and see if he can help you with your dream? And so Pharaoh told him his dream. And the dream was really weird about skinny cows and fat cows and weird stuff. I've never dreamed about a skinny cow in my life. But anyway, supposedly that dream had something to do with times of plenty and then times of famine. And Joseph told him that. And then Pharaoh says, hey, you're a pretty smart dude. Why don't you be my right-hand man? And he makes him into his right-hand man. And he gets to rule over everything underneath Pharaoh. Now remember, this is the the little snot that was saying, hey, brothers, you're going to bow down to me. And all that happened in between. And then he gets to this point, and now he's the right-hand man to Pharaoh in Egypt. And he starts storing up grain for years, seven years. And they have plenty of grain in Egypt, but everywhere else there's a famine coming and the famine hits and then Joseph's family, they don't have any food. So the family says, well, let's go to Egypt and see if we can find food. And guess who they see there? They don't recognize him at first. Long story short, Joseph tells them, you meant it for evil. This is uh, Genesis, sorry, Genesis 50:20. What you did to me, you meant it for evil. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To save your life, that many people would be kept alive as they are today. See, you sold me into slavery because you hated me, you were jealous of me, but God used that decision that you made that bad decision, that sinful decision that you made, God used that to put me where I am today so that I could help save your life. That's a good God. And that's good news for us. When we think about the bad decisions that we make that God can use to bring about good in our lives. Now, Because I know this church well enough, I know there's some of you who are going, wait a second, are you telling me that I should sin just just so that God will do good things? No, I'm not telling you that. I am not telling you that. If you heard that, that is not what I said at all. What I am saying is that if you go through that whole process, you're thinking about the gospel, you're thinking about loving God, you're thinking about loving neighbor, you're thinking about scripture, you're thinking about wisdom, you're thinking about godly counsel, you're, you're praying, and you come to a decision and you say, I don't know what to do, make a decision and trust God. Because he's sovereign and he's good. 
So, um, I told this story a few years ago and I got in trouble. So I figured I'd try it again. See what trouble I could get into today. Back when I was in college, my first, my freshman semester, um, I had this class uh, and, and the person who sat beside me, her name was Tamara, and we became friends. And after talking for a while, I realized, I found out that she, uh, even though she was raised in a religious home, she was anything but Christian. I mean, she actually did not like the church. She did not like Christians. She thought Christians were holier than thou, judgmental, you know, I'm better than you, you're going to hell, so shut up kind of people. And I felt really bad for her. That, that was her experience. So anyway, fast forward a little bit into about halfway through the semester, my professor has this book that he says he's going to pass around in our uh, class called The Sexuality of Jesus Christ. And in this book, there are pictures of Jesus, of Jesus um, naked. They're photos, not photos, paintings of him naked hanging on a cross. Because historically, that is what happened. They, people were crucified naked. Now, you know, in most of the paintings we have, they have a little loincloth. But supposedly, back then, that was how things happened. And so these are paintings that did that. And as the book is being passed around... I'm sitting there, probably one of the only Christians in the class, going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Am I going to look at this book or am I not going to look at this book? Am I going to look at it or am I not going to look at it? And I'm I'm fretting over it. And the book is right here beside the person, with the person beside me, and I'm thinking, oh no, oh no, I've got to make a decision, I've got to make a decision. And they pass the book to me, and I was like, okay. And I opened the book, and I flipped through a few pages, and I closed it, and I handed it off to Tamara. And then I felt terrible. Because I thought, I probably made the wrong decision. I probably shouldn't have looked at it. I probably should have just passed it on. A couple of weeks later, I find out that Tamara has become a Christian. And when I talk to her and I ask her, well, what changed your mind? Here's what she said. She said, that night that that book got passed around, I watched you. I watched you struggle. I watched you as your face was like, you could tell you were worried about your decision. And I knew for sure you were just going to pass the book over to me. But when you opened it up and you looked in it, I thought, huh, that's different. I've never seen a Christian act like that before. Maybe I should give Jesus a second chance. Now, did I do the right thing? I don't know. I'm not saying what I did was right or wise or good or whatever. All I'm saying is that when I made that decision and I had no idea whether it was the right one or not, God used it to soften Tamara's heart. And she became a believer because of it. So you see, whether we make good decisions or bad decisions, whether we make wise decisions or foolish decisions, if God is sovereign and He is good, He can take that bad decision, that foolish decision, and He can make it into something good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. And folks, 
if you ever doubt this truth, if we ever doubt this truth, if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I just can't believe that that could be true, we need to remember Jesus. We need to remember Jesus. If, if you are sitting there thinking, no, God can't be that good that He can turn bad things into good, remember Jesus, right? Acts 2, verses 23 through 24. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Did you hear that? God's plan all along that Jesus would be delivered up that he would be crucified, that he would be killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. Here's the thing. The worst sin, the worst crime in all of history is Jesus being murdered. And the best blessing that comes to people who believe in him came because Jesus was murdered. The forgiveness of our sins. A transformation of our character. Given new life. All of that comes about because Jesus died and rose from the dead. That shows that God can take the worst scenario in history, the death of His Son, and bring it about for good. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great to hear? So your action point for today, when facing confusing issues, and we're all facing them, trust in the good, wise, and sovereign reign of God. Trust Him when you don't know what to do. Trust Him when you think you've made a bad decision. He's good. Trust Him when you think you've made a foolish decision because He's wise. Trust Him when you think, oh, everything's out of control and I've messed up. No, He's in control and He's sovereign. Trust Him because He's worth it. So let's trust our sovereign God in all our decisions. Let me pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Father, we've sang today that you are sovereign. We've heard the scriptures say that you are sovereign. We've listened to the sermon that's saying you're sovereign. But we trust in you because you're good. You're wise. You're worthy of our trust. As we make decisions, and we know we're going to make some bad ones. We know we're going to make some foolish ones. But we also know that even when we mess up royally, you are good, you are wise, and you're sovereign, and you can bring about what is best even through those bad circumstances. Lord, we don't want to make foolish decisions. We don't want to make sinful decisions. We don't want to make unwise decisions, but we know that when we do, and we will, you're right there to bring about good. So help us. Help us to trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.